talk about liberty, and because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But what they were seeking was tr- the, the truth. They wanted to be able to understand and not be, not be uh, dominated. They wanted, they wanted reality. They wanted truth. They wanted that. And, and there's nothing more important to any person than truth. And the Bible says, you know, that in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. You can never get too much of the word of God. You can never overdo the Word of God. I, I believe, and you know how I feel on worship. Worship is one of the greatest things that you know we can do, and I believe in the power of worship. But it's nothing, nothing without the truth. Without the Word of God, if we come into this church and all we did was worship, and all we did was, uh, you know, know, let's take that one step further. If all we did was worship, we never had preaching, and we never had prayer, we might feel good, but you would be about that deep. Prayer and praise are synonymous. You can't have one without the other. Not true praise. And when you begin to pray and you begin to praise and you begin to, to uh, worship, it develops into worship, you have the Word of God, you have all of these three elements and you will truly understand and have what real worship is. Sometimes we go through life and never truly understand what real worship really is. Worship is something that comes from the heart that is so deep that people can never truly grasp uh, all that, that worship really is. And when it comes down just a little bit further, it talks about how God, the truth, that the, 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 the church is sanctified. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Then it goes on in the book of Ephesians to say that the church is actually sanctified by truth. So the church cannot be separate and distinct without truth. If there's anything to celebrate on this day, it's the fact that there was a group of people who desired real worship. They wanted the reality of God. They did not want to be dictated to or dominated by a lie. And the truth and the church today, tonight, should feel the same way. I do not want to be dominated by a lie. I want the truth in everything that I do. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to preach something. I had no intention of preaching tonight, and you're going to get it anyway. So hang on. Matthew 27, 46. We know this. Everybody knows this. And normally we don't even preach on this particular chapter unless it's uh, uh, Easter. Well, I don't want to say Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, verse 46 says, And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth, Jesus, that cannot in any way uh, be minimized. We need it in every way. We need the word hidden in our heart deeper than we've ever had it hidden before. And I look to you now, Jesus, right now to help us and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you see what, if it's up here, uh, I'm sorry, it's going to be up there in a minute. You may be seated. And my title, now, now follow me, The Agony, I, I didn't know how to... I didn't really have a chance to get a good title. You know, good preachers, a lot of good preachers, well, actually bad preachers can have a good title, and you won't, it'd be such a good title that you ignore the rest of it. So I'm hoping that I'll have a bad title, and you'll get the rest of what I'm doing. All right? So I'm calling this the agony of separation births desperation. Okay? Is that there? Agony of separation births desperation. 
I want everybody to say this with me. I'm desperate to get across the river. I'm tired of other people crossing and me concerned, being concerned about the depth. I don't care what obstacles in front of me. I don't care how deep the river is. I'm desperate to get across. I want what's on the other side. In Jesus' name, that's your prayer, and you didn't even know you prayed it. All right. All right. In the agonizing moments just before Jesus crossed the line from life to death, the Son of God cried out in the only language that was passionate enough for such a heart-rending crisis. He released his pain in the dialect of desperation. Now you think about what he just said, what I just read to you. That was the dialect of dis- desperation. Only moments later he whispered something that all creation was waiting to hear. He said, it is finished. Desperation has been a doorway to divine encounter for everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. Are you with me? Everybody who really wants to be saved, everybody who really wants to make heaven their home, everybody who wants to get into that kingdom of God here on earth and the fullness of that kingdom, at some time in your life, you're going to have to get desperate. You're going to have to say, I'm tired of looking across the water. I'm tired of watching the people around me go across and get their promises. I am going to go across myself. I'm going to get across this river, Jordan. I'm going to get to the promises. Jericho is not going to intimidate me. The giants are not going to intimidate me. I'm tired of listening to every voice that tells me I cannot do it. I am going to get across because it's my time. It's my time. None of us will ever carry the load of sorrow that Jesus bore in Gethsemane or upon the cross at Golgotha. But most of us have tasted the pain of desperation nonetheless. Most of you at some time have tasted it. And you thought when you got into church that it was all over with. No, honey, it's not all over with. It's just beginning. Because when you really want to serve God, you get desperate to find out everything you possibly can about Him. You get desperate to kneel down at the throne. You get desperate to grab hold of his hand and say, Take me, Lord, to the place you want me to be. Desperation is not a bad thing. Jesus has shown us that. And by reading the words of Jesus on Calvary, our own desperation should lead us to faith. If we're honest with ourselves and each other, we find that there are times when our faith isn't up to our circumstances. We then remember the words of Jesus on the cross. Everything, everything that Jesus did, every word He spoke had a purpose. And that purpose was to give us faith and to give us hope. And there are times when God pushes us to desperate times. And I made a statement about two months ago. And I remember Floyd kind of looking at me and smiling when I said it. Well, you, eventually I'm going to get to it. I'm, I'm to it tonight. So I'm, I'm there. And that is there comes a time when the saints have to be melted down. We have to be melted down. 
During the reign of Oliver Cromwell in England, the government ran out of silver coinage. Cromwell sent his ministers throughout England to find new sources of silver. And when they returned, the ministers reported there, <coughs> there was no silver to be found in England except in the statues of the saints in the churches. And Cromwell said, then we melt down the saints and put them in circulation. We melt them down and put them in circulation. What's God trying to do to some of you that you feel so desperate? Why do you feel desperate? You've got that feeling of uneasiness every time you get down to pray. It seems like, yeah, I'm there, but there's just something else. There's just something that's there, and I can't quite grasp it. I can't understand it. It's like God wants me to get up and do something, but I'm just not sure what I need to do. I, I, I'm not sure what I need, so I get down and pray some more, and God pulls you a little bit more and says, okay, it's time for you to begin to melt down. It's time for you to get into circulation. We need some people out there. We need some silver coins, if you would, out there somewhere. That's what God's trying to do to you. He's trying to change your way of looking at things. You're no longer seeing things the way that a Christian used to see things because we're not the standard Christian. We're the real Christians. Oh, come on. I'm the real thing. Come on, I want you to say it. I'm the real thing. I'm the real Christian. I'm a real child of God. <sighs> You know, if you find yourself in desperate times, if you're in desperate times, let me, let me phrase that correctly. If you're in desperate times now, it is to keep you from the perilous times that are going to be on us very soon. The fire of the Holy Ghost that wants to melt us down will only happen when we get desperate. God wants to use us in a dynamic way before the perilous times that Paul spoke to Timothy about occurs. We are in the end time. We are having revival at sunset, our theme this year. But you see, after that, when that time is gone, then perilous times will be upon us. We are that close to the coming of the Lord. We are that close. And nobody can tell me any different. I know it. I don't just believe it. I feel it in every corpuscle that's in me. I know Jesus is getting ready to come. He has to. But we have to be ready and we have got to get... That's why you're feeling so desperate. And this may have been a Sunday night message, but you're going to get it here on Wednesday night to help you through. Okay, now, now I want you to understand something. God loves you enough to make you feel uneasy every time you come to church, every time you get down to pray. You begin to think, what is it? What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, everything is right with you. And you just got to listen and feel the goading, if you would, the pushing that God is trying to do to get you to that point of melting down to where you can be placed into circulation. Be aware of what's around you. Look at what God is putting before you. You've missed it for years. You've not seen it. You've walked by people who could have used a, a kind word. You've walked by people who could have used something that you had for them, just a, a prayer, whatever it may be. But you have missed it because you've been so busy. You have looked at the obstacle instead of the solution. The third most frequently used word in the New Testament to designate the Christian is the word saint. A saint is not some figure in a stained glass window. A saint is anyone who by faith has repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and from there lived for God according to the Scripture with faith and hope, with love in their heart for God and man. Now that just describes it right there. That's what a saint is. 
In the Old Testament, the word saint is used 39 times to denote the people of Israel. In the New Testament, the word saint is used 62 times to designate true believers in Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he addressed a church where the saints had been melted down and put into circulation. And he discussed the wonderful character of this church in the opening verses of 1 Thessalonians. Character, my friend, is different from reputation. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you really are. Webster wrote, character is made up of those qualities and attributes that make a man what he is. But Dwight Moody said, character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are in the dark. One thing for sure, when you're on your face before God, and there's no one else in the room, what you are is going to come to light. And maybe that's the uneasiness that you're feeling. Maybe God is letting you know, I know exactly what you're dealing with. I know exactly what you are. I know who you are. I know what happens to you in the dark times. I know what happens when you think nobody's looking. But the point is that I love you anyhow. Are you, are you with me? Do you think that's what it is when you're beating yourself up for all the mistakes that you make? Do you think God is really trying to tell you, if you would get into circulation, I'd take care of all the rest of this? I'm talking today about the positive power of desperation. As hard as it is to accept, many times desperation is the best thing that can happen to you. Desperation is where we come to an end of ourselves. How many people in here, be honest enough to raise your hands, I'm just about the end of myself. Yeah, good, good. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. Now what, what matters here is that you let God take over and not your ego. Ego will take you down the wrong pathway. But God can knock that ego aside and take you down the right path and begin to circulate you, build you up, make you up, what to, make, you, make you into what you need to be. Make you into something that is positive and is good and that you've really wanted to be all along. That's what, that's what God will do for you. Don't let your ego stop you. Don't let it happen. The great part of that is when you come to an end of yourself, you find God. You begin to really find Him. In our text, the disciples had a word from the Master. If you read on down, He goes on and He says, From there, He said, cross over to the other side. I didn't read that part to you, but it's, it's there. Cross over to the other side. This word was a prophetic declaration of destiny. Cross over to the other side. That was a prophetic word. Are you, are you with me? I'm going to do a little teaching right now. As they were moving in their prophetic word, crossing over to the other side, a storm arose. Every time you start moving in a prophetic word, a storm arises. You hear me? How many times have you been walking in that prophetic word? Knowing that you were about to get there. And all of a sudden the waves began to blast the boat. The wind picked up. You saw a hurricane coming in the distance. A tornado was on your stern. Everything bad, every storm, everything possible stops, tries to stop you from operating in that 
prophetic word. Anybody in here ever had a prophetic word? You understand what I'm talking about? Okay. That prophetic word's not really come to pass yet, some, some of you. And you've wondered why. It's because every time you start getting a little bit closer, the storm comes up. You're starting to get desperate, aren't you? Hmm? You know what's funny about people? <clears throat> people get this prophetic word, and they feel like that they got to help God out because they don't want anybody to lose faith in God. And then they put Ishmael. And Ishmael produces 12 tribes of the Arab community. And that's why you've got high gas prices. That's some good preaching there, isn't it? Huh? So get ready for the storm. You're moving in the pro- on the prophetic, wo- <laughs> uh, the prophetic word. Storm arose. If you plan on doing anything for God, you might as well get ready for the storm. Now, that's the truth. You might as well get ready for it. People who never do anything for God don't have to worry much about the storm. For those people who will sit back and say, I don't understand what's going on with everybody else. I never have any problems in my life. That's because you're not doing squat. That's because you are sitting there and you are not doing nothing. It, it's, it takes everything. It takes an act of God in Congress to get you to raise your hands. Are we quiet in the house tonight? Mm. You know, I can sing a little bit like Elvis. Are you lonely tonight? It's because God is forsaken you, because you've got no sight. Mm. I'm going to write that one. <laughs> People who never do anything. God don't have to worry much about the storm. Anything for God, rather. Don't have to worry much about the storm. And I'm talking about satanic opposition. When you start moving in destiny, Satan will resist you and try to stop you. Why do you think that we are having some of the struggles with the home groups that we've had recently? It's because we're moving in prophetic destiny. You're moving in prophetic destiny. You have trouble. Do not allow the devil in any way, shape, or form to stop you from fulfilling the prophetic destiny that you have. Anybody can serve God when the sun is shining and the sea is calm, but it takes men and women of faith, courage, and commitment to stay the course through the storm. The storm tests our level of commitment. The storm helps us to see what is really important And what is excess baggage? Are you there? The storm shakes loose the things that aren't connected in the spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to explain that one a little bit. Your life is made up of all kinds of connections. Your spiritual life should be made up of connections. Best way to describe what I'm doing, it's like like I've got this... this, I got this new book that I got. It's a real thin thing, but it's uh, the eight. Th- it's the eight principles, eight different things that create a revival church. And of course, it's based on all Christianity per se. But there's some good stuff in it. And they made a point here. They said, <clears throat> if you're trying to have revival on your own power, it's like four men in a harness. 
four men behind pulling and pushing a car with square wheels. Okay? If you're not connected to everything that you need to be connected to in the spirit, what a storm does is helps you to analyze what's connected and holding you back. Am I pulling this vehicle? Has it got square wheels? In other words, how much of this am I connected to and how much of it is God connected to? How many things am I doing on my own and how many things is God wanting me to do? Okay, that is the right because anything else and you're just pulling a car with square wheels. And that, that, just, that just doesn't work very well. And what you have to do is get rid of, of all the excess baggage and be sure that you aren't connected to the wrong thing. The storm brings out your best and also your worst. What's a good thing about knowing your worst? You need to know your worst simply so you can avoid it as much as possible. Right? What's the thing that pushes your buttons? If I'm around something that pushes my buttons, if I can't get victory over that thing, then I need to avoid that thing. And sometimes you have to avoid that thing until you can get victory over that thing. It's like the old saying goes, don't, go, don't ever go next to the water if you can't swim. Did you get that? How are you going to learn to swim if you don't get next to the water? Come on. Huh? You've got to get next to the water and learn to swim. But I remember when I was but a wee lad that I decided we used to go swim in quarry holes. <clears throat> don't ever, any kids that's hearing this, don't you ever do this. How many people like me are they out here that swim in quarry holes? My Lord, look at them. Well, I had this one little spot. I was a wee lad, and I was, uh, I thought I was, man, my dad and some of his friends were there. And I remember over there is the blue water, and this stuff I'm in right here is all nasty looking, you know, it's about this deep. So I launched out into the deep, and I launched right straight down. And my dad's friend grabbed me, I think by the britches, <laughs> and pulled me back up and said, you're not ready for that yet. <laughs> You know, and I wasn't. I could have gone down, but the thing was, I realized then to stay away from that particular thing until I had just a little bit more ability about me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand that sometimes when you come to God that you are not ready for everything that God, uh, that, that maybe Sister Robin has got or, or Brother Tony or Brother Bob, that you not, may not be necessarily ready for that yet. So you do what you are ready for. And you let God help you to increase in your ability. And you don't launch out into the deep until you're ready to launch out into the deep. That's, that's, that's vital. The storm brought these disciples to a place of desperation. Why did they need to reach this place of desperation? Why did they have to? And this was because Jesus was coming to them in a different way than they had ever seen him before, and they had not been desperate. They, had they not been desperate, rather, they could have easily missed this fresh revelation. If they had not been desperate, sometimes there's something when you're desperate that just opens up and you begin to see the Lord in a different way than you ever saw him before. 
It's because you were desperate and you needed it more than anything else. So they, had they not been desperate, they never would have seen the miracle they were about to see. Jesus waited until they were exhausted. They were worn out. In other words, they knew that self-effort was useless and without divine assistance they were going to die. It's amazing how far we have to go sometimes to, to run into this kind of grace. How far we have to go. They saw Jesus on the water, but fear almost kept them from receiving him. Fear hinders many people from receiving from God. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what other people might think or say. Fear of breaking a tradition. <sighs> the best things that ever happened to me, and they may not be for any of the rest of you, but for me, was the fact, yes, my family was around Pentecost all their life, but I really wasn't raised that way. I was raised around it, but not in it. And when I came in, I didn't have any traditional ideas. I looked at the Bible, and I saw exactly what the Bible said I needed to do. And I didn't try to make excuses for portions of the Bible that need to be acknowledged. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because, you know, you can look at it. and You, you can be you know, careful. We, yes, we want to bring up our children the right way, but we don't want to bring them up in ways that are not accurate. Desperation overcame the disciples' fear. Their desperation became a positive force in preparing them for this, this awesome revelation and manifestation of the power of God. Many... I'm speaking to today, tonight rather, have sensed a growing desperation in your spirit, haven't you? You have, you, you feel it, I feel it, and you've not known which way to turn. Nothing seems to be working anymore, and you're flat exhausted, you're wore out. Now let me tell you what you are. Let me tell you where you are, because I believe you're on the verge of a fresh revelation that is going to bring you into a deeper relationship with God than you ever have known before. And in turn, there's going to be a greater manifestation of the power of God in your life. Somewhere along the line is going to... Is this thing going on? I don't know why I feel this, but I'm going to say, is this thing going on on the computer? Because somebody's going to listen to this and get this very thing. Because you are so weary with playing church, whoever you are. You're so weary with it, but God has placed you in a, in a situation where you have grown dormant, if you please. You've grown just a, a little bit on the uh, complacent side, and you've not always been that way. But let me tell you what you are. Hear me very well. God's placed you there for this particular time and season to let you know what everyone else has to endure. God's going to use you in a greater way. You're going to break the mold of complacency, not just in you, but for other people that are around you. Why? Because God has placed you in a place and made you desperate. Everybody's done it for you all along, but now you're doing it on your own. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. I just, I give Him a hand clap for me. <laughs> Hallelujah! Nobody likes to, to feel weak or unsuccessful or like they don't know what they're doing. But sometimes we have to reach that place before our ears open to really hear what God is saying. And our eyes are open to see how to do it God's way. Like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. It wasn't until she had spent all her money and exhausted every avenue at her disposal that she came to Jesus. Had she had more money or another doctor to, to turn to, she may never have come to Jesus. We could go on and on. Are you hearing me? It came, if she had more money, she got to the point. Do you get this? Please get this. 
We get to the point where we have nothing. We spend all of our money trying to find man-made answers until we've exhausted everything. Then we turn to the one who had the answer all along. It was desperation that caused Jairus to risk his reputation as a leader of the religious community by coming to Jesus because his daughter was dying. It was desperation that caused blind Bartimaeus to cry out for mercy in spite of the persecution that was around him. Are you with me? It was desperation that brought the widow woman to her prophet. Hear me. Her husband had died and left her in debt, and her creditors were coming to make slaves of her two sons. Her desperation created an avenue for a miracle of divine, supernatural multiplication and provision as she poured out from a pot of oil into many borrowed vessels. You see, everything that happened to her was so that she could see a miracle like no one else had ever seen. To all those have struggled with the feelings of desperation. As though you've done all you know how to do. You have prayed. You have fasted. You have confessed. And it seems you like nothing has changed. I've come to tell you with everything that's inside of me here this evening. On this 4th of July... We're not going to have too many more Fourth of Julys. It's not going to happen that many more times. Maybe never another one. This may be the last one. But I've come to tell you to get ready because on the other side of your desperation is a miracle, is a greater revelation of Jesus than you have ever known. Oh, I could point to some of you. Some of you know exactly who I'm talking to. You just went through it. Boy, you just went through it. You just, you just about made the biggest mistake in your whole life. Of your whole, you just about did it. You came to this point of desperation, and God managed to get a word in there. Pop, just one word. He just let you know, come on now, don't, don't, don't give up. There's something else on the other side. You're not quite there yet. You're just about to break through. You're just about to. You can see that the light at the edge of all the woods there. You can see it, and you're just getting ready to walk out into where all the light is. You're about on the other side. You're just about there. Are you ready for what's going to happen to you? Are you able to take what's going to happen to you? I've come to tell you to get ready. I've come to tell you to get ready. Desperation, my friend, is like the last stages of pregnancy. That's exactly what it is. You're uncomfortable. Nothing feels quite right. You cry for no specific reason. It seems your emotions are right on the surface all the time. You don't fit in your clothes like you used to fit in your clothes. You can't sit where you used to sit. All the while, something inside is growing. You may not be able to see what it is, but anyone can see that you are pregnant. That's the way it is. There's a ministry growing inside you. There's a new anointing growing inside you. Hear me, hear me. There's a special gift growing inside of you. There's a new vision growing inside of you. There's a new level growing inside of you. Something is getting ready to be birthed, and desperation is that last stage before manifestation. It is here that you either break through or you break down. Stand with me. No music and only anything. Stand with me. Close your eyes. If you want to raise your hands, you can. If you don't feel like it, that's fine. Do whatever you want. But close your eyes. I want to say this last little part again. Something is getting ready to be birthed, and desperation is that last stage before manifestation. 
It is here that you either break through or you break down. You don't need to break down. You've broke down before and you've had to go back to square one, start all over again. You don't want to go back to square one this time. I want to get across the river. I want to get to the other side. I want to be over where I've seen other people go. I want to see some of the great things they've seen. I know that they're fighting battles over there, but the great thing about it is they're where they're supposed to be fighting battles. I'm not where I need to be yet, and I'm fighting to try to get there. I'll fight the battles on the other side, but let me get there. And at this point... At this point, the devil will try to convince you that it's not worth it. You hearing me? That God has changed his mind or you, or that you misunderstood him. God didn't really say that to you. The devil is a liar and he's the father of it. Do not listen to him. Or he'll try to tell you, just dreamed your own dream. That wasn't anything God gave you. The devil is a liar. Don't listen to him. I've come to tell you that delay is not denial and desperation is a positive power when it causes you to throw yourself completely on God. Hear me again. Delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. As your hands love the Lord a little while. I'm getting ready to finish this up here. I feel like God is going to yeah, God's going to let something be born here tonight. Something's going to be birthed. That vision's going to be birthed. You're going to see it. Come on, that 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 level is going to be birthed. A special gift that you've anticipated is going to be birthed. God's always on time. He's never late. He's always on time. It may seem like it'll never happen, but if God said it, it's going to come to pass. You may have to pass through the storm on the way, and you may have to fight. Some giants, you may have to reach a place called desperation. Everyone who has experienced the glory of God has had to come to this place. Desperation is the breeding ground for miracles. Desperation is the breeding ground for miracles. Accept it. Keep those hands up. His hands up. Let it be birthed. If you need just a little help getting, giving birth to this, I'm not going to pray a long prayer, but if you want to come down here and somebody lay hands on your will. But only if you really think you need the help. Only if you think you need help. I just want you to just, just come and stand here. And just, I, just, I, just want to, I just want to touch you. That's all. That's just to help you give, to give birth to this. Just to help you to give birth. just want to touch you. Anybody else, if you need any help, give birth. That's all good. That's good. That's good. Oh, it's just that last little bit that you've got to break through. That's the last little bit. Just a film, if you would. 
It may seem like it's greater. It may seem like it's something more there, but it's not. It's just a last little push to give birth to this. Last little bit, just that last little film that you need to break through. It's no, it's no thicker than a, a film of a, of, a, of a camera. It's no different than a film of a bubble that you blow. It's nothing like, it, it's just a light little thing, but it seems like it's so much. But God is right there and He wants to help you push through that last little bit. God! Sapara 